0: The following teaching is brought to you by Crosspoint Church. For sermon notes and other resources, visit go to crosspoint.com. There is a note sheet on the program you were handed on the way in. Uh, you might want to get that out, maybe you're going to write some things down. It's 4th of July, and you guys came to church. <laughs> you, you, you're the ones that go, we're not driving anywhere today. We will watch the fireworks at 7 o'clock because it's 4th of July in New York and then we're going to put a movie on or go to bed or whatever. Um, So glad that you are here. Uh, It's not just 4th of July, somebody reminded me, it's Independence Day that, that 200 years ago some men gathered in a place and said we are willing to sacrifice our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. And we're the recipients of that. Those of you that, that are first responders in, in the military and law enforcement, keeping us safe here uh, to do that. But to celebrate Independence Day and 4th of July, we have barbecues, beverages, and we blow things up. We are Americans! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so... Uh, And we're excited about that today. I have a quick assignment for you, because in a couple of minutes, I'm going to ask you to respond to this, but I want you to sit there and look at me with just glazed eyes like I have no idea, brain freeze. What are things that you are excited about, or you've seen people in the last year or so, two years, five years, things that people get excited about, whether that's excitement over like just, yeah, I'm excited about it, or they're like, oh, passionate and on fire and real intense about it. On that note sheet that you have, get a pen and take a couple of seconds here while I'm just getting you. We're working through this, and write that down because then I want to hear from you guys today on that as well. We find ourselves at a trial at the Supreme Court of the Jewish culture nation called the Sanhedrin, seventy men. That mean they. This is a big deal. They're a show of force to shut down this way of Jesus because. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon just to go to church, not to do anything crazy or to create a bunch of ruckus, but they healed a guy, and the crowd said, that's crazy. How did that happen? He said, I'll tell you how it happened. It happened because of Jesus. And then the Sanhedrin, along with the police force and security detail, show up there, and they shut this thing down. They drag these guys into court, uh, into jail, and they ask them, Hey, how'd this happen? And Peter says, I'm not going to tell you how. I'm going to tell you who. His name is Jesus. You fools crucified him, but God raised him from the dead. And here's the crazy thing he says. You know how this guy got saved from being crippled? He got saved from being crippled through the name of Jesus. And you guys that crucified Jesus, guess what? You can be saved from the judgment and and your sin against God by believing in this Jesus that you crucified. That salvation's crazy message available to the worst of the worst of the worst. And he says there's salvation in no one else. Go listen to it, watch it. It's on our website. You can check that out next week. And now we pick up after Peter has made his opening statement. It tells us here in chapter 4, verse 13 now. The members of the council, this is the Sanhedrin, were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. Maybe in your Bible, put a circle or something to highlight the word boldness and things that stood out to them. That's what they saw. For they could see. They were bold. And they could also see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them, saw them as, as men who had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing right there among them, there was nothing the council could say. So they ordered Peter and John out of the council chamber and conferred among themselves. What do we do? With these men, they asked each other. We can't deny that they have performed a miraculous sign, and everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. But to keep them from spreading their propaganda any further, we must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name again. Take a pause here for a second. It's not the main point today. You know what these guys could have done to shut down Christianity, to just like a fly, to squash it? The body of Jesus. They're saying, Jesus rose from the dead. We saw him alive and they had spread rumors, the Sanhedrin and the, Jew, and the authorities, to say, oh, they're just making it up. They stole the body at night. They hid it away. They, it didn't really happen. Jesus just rose again in their hearts, and they just so badly wanted to see him. They, they're making all this stuff up. You know how they shut this thing down? They had the power and authority. They have crazy amounts of money. and security. They could have found the body if somebody's hiding it somewhere, and they've never, they couldn't find it. They, they, they can't shut the thing down. So then they have to resort to power and propaganda to try to shut this thing down. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them never again to speak or teach the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, do you think God wants to obey you rather than him? (laughs) That is some bold stuff to the Supreme Court who, what, three months ago, crucified Jesus. We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. The old school translations say, we can't help talking about what we've seen and heard. That verse right there, verse 20 and verse 13, is going to take up the, everything we're going to talk about here today on Independence Day here at, at Cross Crosspoint. Um, the council then threatened them further, but they finally let him go because they didn't know how to punish him without starting a riot. For everyone was praising God for this miraculous sign, the healing of a man who had been lame for more than 40 years. I love that they say what they recognize about these guys. They are bold. And this is crazy because Peter and James and John, the disciples, were not bold men. It says they were ordinary men. No special training in public speaking. None of that kind of stuff. They were bold about their faith where two, three months before, they were all scared, frightened. Uh, Peter himself stood in that courtyard and denied he even knew who Jesus was. And now he is up there just boom, boom. Bring it there in front of a a threat of intimidation and force. I don't know about you. Think about some of the worst things you've done in your life. Some of you going, "Do we really going to talk about that today?" Men, the gospel of Jesus says that your failure does not define you, and that perhaps your most catastrophic, worst moment in your marriage, in your personal life, with your family, with your children, might be the platform. For God to do something amazing just three months later. This is what God loves to do all the time. Uh, they've been with Jesus, they, they tell him to stop it, and Peter says, We can't help talking about it. Everything we've seen and heard. This is like, they're not here testifying about Jesus because that's what Christians are supposed to do. Come on, let's get our act together and let's talk about God. Let's, let's share our faith. Let's preach the gospel. They're just going, man, we are so geeked out about this. We're so amazed by this. We're not doing this to do like civil disobedience. It's religious freedom. We have the right under the First Amendment of the Constitution to speak out here. They're going, look, you're not going to shut this thing down. We are so excited about this. You can't stop it. I wonder today what you're excited about. What you you guys wrote down there on your note sheets, those five or six of you that did that. Be bold enough now. Maybe look to the person to the right or your left and tell me what they said. What, What are you excited about? Talk to me iPhones, super excited about iPhones. Yeah. Wedding, we have weddings that are coming up for some of our kids, something like that. Yeah. What else? Sports, World Series, victory. World Series victory. Some of you right now today are going like this on your phone. You're not checking anything except the Dodgers scores that are playing right now. But some of you aren't going to do it because you know if you check the score, that the God will curse the Dodgers because you're checking them in church. That's karma. Um, what's that? Babies. Summer camp. Working, who's, that's Crystal, our worship director here, but look at how her hair is and stuff like that. She's just crazy. (laughs) Who gets excited about working out, there's a few of you psychos out there about that. Serving Serving the Lord, good, yeah. All kinds of things out there that we get excited about. Somebody else had something. Freedom, yeah, we're going to talk about that for a bit today and even next Week the freedom that we have. Uh, I was thinking this year, this year some things that, you know just people that have been excited about things. Um, great food. It's not something you don't see and hear. You taste the, the reason you're excited about that is because you've actually experienced it. It's it's not just something some theoretical concept in my head. Well, we're excited about Jesus because I've studied the four points of Calvinism or the five points of Calvinism. I read the Bible through, and no, no, it's there's just something happened. I'm I'm excited. I'm stoked about this. Some of us got real excited this last year about politics and masks and pandemics and all kinds of conspiracy theories, and that wasn't always real. Yay, yeah, excited! It's like yeah, excited, but super passionate about that. And once, see, once it gets in your heart and your soul, you you can't help talking about it, and you won't talk about it to people because. You think, well, you know, I fish, and in order to get people excited about fishing, I should talk about this. It's like, come on, let's go. Whatever it is, you you can't help it. Help it. May, on your note sheet today, r- write this down. It's going to be up here on the screen in just a second. Uh, just write it down. B A Bob B O B. Because I want you to see this here. Is for those of you whose names are Bob are going. Oh, awesome, amazing. Uh, what they notice about these guys, about Peter and John is they were bold, they were ordinary, and they've been with Jesus. And I thought, man, I saw this. And honestly, this was exciting for me the last couple of weeks to be looking at this. Whether you get anything out of this at all today, I hope you do. I think you will. I think God's going to do something here. But, man, I was just excited. Going, I want to be like Peter and James and John. I, I want to have that fire in my soul, that excitement about, about Jesus like this. And, and, and be as excited about Jesus as I am about my sports team or as I am about a double-double at, at In-N-Out, excited as I am about all the things we get geeked out about, about my phone or about my babies or my grandchildren or a wedding that's coming up. I just, and I thought about it, and I thought, this is more a question that I'm asking myself that I'm going to throw this out for you. You might be great with this today, but maybe the reason I'm not more excited and zealous about my faith to when I'm in a restaurant, when I'm at the coffee in, in the, with the baristas or the people that I'm bumping into at, at, at coffee places in my neighborhood with friends in at school, or whatever it may be. Maybe the reason for that is maybe it's been a while since I've actually seen and heard Jesus. Other people have seen and heard him, and they know about him. They're all fired up. But, and I know that I was talking to Katie. She's on our prayer team here. She's on our staff here. and We were talking about this uh, just yesterday. That For some of us, we remember a time when, man, we were on fire for God. It was just so real and just so raw and amazing. We, we just couldn't help talking about it, couldn't help inviting people to church or reading our Bibles and talking to people about what we were learning and, and growing. We were very zealous for our faith and something just kind of, went, eh. And I think, here's the question, the big question for us today is this. Have I actually recently been with Jesus? They saw they were bold and ordinary, and the reason they, kept, they were ordinary guys that could be bold is because they've been with Jesus. They're talking about they've seen and heard. You see, for these disciples, they'd actually seen and heard Jesus. That's the thing that you, well, you might have it happen to you. From, occasionally, Jesus shows up in visions and dreams, but for them, they actually saw Jesus because they, for three years, they walked around and hung out with him all over uh, Israel. And then they knew that he died. A few of them actually saw him die on a cross, saw him put in a grave, and three days later he came out of that tomb. And that just changed everything. They were eyewitnesses of that. So they had evidence. They had actually seen Jesus. They, nobody could deny that for them. Now you and I today probably aren't going to ever have Jesus show up to you and go, hey Sam, how's it going? Let's go fishing. Hey hey, Mike, hey hey, Kelly, Probably what, what? probably not, not going to happen for you. So Let's say it this way, when it comes to being with Jesus today, I'm not telling you to go out and go out in 100 degree heat and get dehydrated and maybe you'll see Jesus. You might see something, but it won't be Jesus. Um, what I'm telling you is we need to be with Jesus and we need, there's two different ways to talk about it. There's the objective reality of Jesus and the subjective reality of Jesus. The objective reality for them back then, they saw him. Like, hey, we're eyewitnesses. We, we, take, we, we were with him when, he, when he, we touched his resurre- resurrected body. We saw him walk through walls and be in our midst. We saw him walk on water, raise the dead. We saw him. We don't have that objective evidence of being actually eyewitnesses. What we have today is this. We have the evidence recorded and preserved for us today in this. And so we need to be people, uh, and we'll talk about this in a bit. This is our objective experience, is the truth of the Bible and the gospel. And the scriptures. We also know, though, need the subjective uh, reality of Jesus. And we find that if you're here, here, here excuse me, in Acts chapter 4, uh, look at verse uh, 8, it says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of things you and I can be filled with, there's some other kind of spirits. Some of you act like fools when you get filled with those spirits. Be careful today, please. Um, Sometimes we're filled with, with glee over a, a, somebody winning. We get filled with anger, indignation, and so we speak out against, you know, speak truth to power and, and all of that. It says Peter's filled with the Spirit. That's the subject of reality of what it means to be with Jesus. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ today, if you, at some point in your life, whether you were a little child or it's just been recently, you came to a point where you said, hmm, he lived... He died on a cross and he rose again. And in that, salvation and forgiveness is offered. And I believe that what Jesus did 2,000 years ago counts for me today. When you believe that, God comes into your life. He wipes away all your sin. It says this, this doctrine called justification. It's this idea of all of Jesus. You don't have just have a clean slate with God. You have the righteousness, righteous record of Jesus Christ imputed into your record. That when God looks at you, he didn't see the crazy, ridiculous, stupid things you did this morning on the way to church. He sees the righteousness of Jesus. You stand before him perfect and clean before him. He says, and what's going to happen now is God's spirit, the spi- same spirit that indwelled Jesus to give him the power to do everything he did, to live the perfect life and do all the miracles, that same spirit was in Jesus is now in you. This is not some metaphorical analogy of something that, you know, metaphysically we can think. No, it really happened for you. Some of you actually felt something happen, like, dude, what what is that? Others of us, you didn't never feel anything. It doesn't matter. We believe it by faith. The spirit of God actually indwells your mind, soul, heart, and body. And that's the subjective experience you're going to have with Jesus. It's not just read your Bible and obey the rules. It's like you're going to walk with Jesus. He's going to speak into your heart and soul. You're going to feel things when there's music playing and God's going to speak something to your heart. You're going to, in the midst of some crazy thing, God's going to lead you and speak to you and say something about what he wants you to do or not do or whatever that might be. It's a subjective experience. And here's the deal. Jesus, in an argument, well, it wasn't an argument. It was a great discussion with the woman at the well in John chapter 4. He tells her, hey, lady, you Samaritans are arguing about this and the Jews are arguing about that. All this kind of stuff going back and forth and back and forth. He says, hey... What it means to worship God, those who worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. That is the objective reality, the objective reality, and the subjective reality of Jesus. Uh, the truth, doctrine, theology, all that, and the subjective reality of just walking with Jesus in passion and joy, the interactive relationship with him. I want to tell you this today, too. Churches, sometimes even us as individuals, tend to be kind of one or the other. Some of us are more about the Bible and the Word of God and doctrine and theology and the rules and the commandments, and we're we just we're all into the truth and theology and apologetics. Uh, it's just ice water, guys. It'll be okay. Trust me. Um, <laughs> we all get all into that, and there's people over here that are all about passion and the music, and they get all inspired and fired up for God and talk. They, well, People ask us, what kind of church are we? Are we more like the the the, uh, the the objective truth over here or the subjective one over here and my answer to that is yes. Well both those things going on. When you when you go to one side or the other, when you become just objective truth people you come, you become the Pharisees. You become arrogant jerk just the codes and rules and rituals, and, and you look down on people who aren't as smart or wise as you because they don't read the books by old dead guys and all that kind of stuff. Then over here are the subjective people who are just like, dude, would you read a scripture once in a while? Because look, Jesus doesn't speak to you in your peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Sorry. No, it gets, we, we get weird sometimes. He says, don't do that. Put both these things, grace and truth, together. Do I have any real experience with God in my life? How can I walk these guys, Peter? And John there, in that, that day, they're all just, they're lit up, man. They're on fire for God, and they're ordinary with no training. Nobody ever gave them any training on how to be public speakers. they never been to any Bible college. They didn't go overseas to any special leadership training thing. They knew nothing except all they had done to, to, to learn how to be uh, leaders like this of the early church was they'd been with Jesus, which might be the best leadership training ever for us. So today, here's my message in a moment. I want, I want to be like these guys in that sense of being more on fire for God. I want you to experience the joy of it, not as duty or obligation. Like, come on, <laughs> quit being so complacent. God's going to spit you out of his mouth. and <laughs> like the... That's just shame and guilt. I, I want the joy, the freedom, since we're on Freedom Independence Day, that freedom, that, that joy, that exuberance in our relationship with God like these guys in So the the deal today is for some of you who aren't yet Christians, become a Christian today. Let God move into your life today and start that journey of discovering and following Jesus. For a lot of us, though, here, you're on fire for God right now. So you're just going to be, yeah, just keep doing that. I'm going to say just what you're doing, just keep doing it more and more. And then for some of us, it's been like 1987 to 1992, I was on fire for God. And then I got married, and then I had kids, or then I had lost a job, or then I got sick, or then I went through a challenging season, and all you can do is think back to the glory days—the glory days, 1987 to 1992, or whatever it was—and look back to the glory days. What I want to do today is not just ignite a fire in you, but reignite a fire. And here's the deal: when it comes to fire, we're using that analogy of getting catching on fire for God. I recognize fires can be destructive. We're not talking about destructive fire. We're talking about this guy fired just that, that zeal that hot right white hot fire in my soul. Um, we need to not only need to not only get ignite a fire. We not need not to only start a fire today. We need to also find out what we do to stoke the fire. How many of you have ever been to a camp or a retreat anywhere with guys, kids, as whatever? How many ever went to one of cancer treats on fire for God? Came back. I'm never going to sin again. I'm going to be a missionary somewhere. It's amazing. It's fantastic. How long did that last? No, in some cases it lasted a long time. You know why it lasts? It's because the fire that get started there is just a nothing little fire. The only way it's going to keep going is you keep putting wood on it. You keep I saw a guy, this is back, guys, at the early days of our church. We were camping at some beach, and a guy got a jar of gasoline out to throw it in the fire. It was amazing. Uh fire went everywhere. Um, You got to keep throwing fuel on the fire. You have to not just start a fire, but stoke the fire. I'm going to give you today five ways to start and stoke a fire. Now look at me for a second. What you're about to hear today is not going to be anything new. You're going to look at, you're going to have heard this a bunch of times before. In the business world, I would be the chief executive officer if we were a business. We're not a business. Today, I'm not, I'm not executive officer of anything. I'm the chief reminding officer. I'm just going to remind you of some things today. A lot of you are going to go, I already know this. I'm going to go, yeah, okay. Jesus says, hey, now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Because no one of them doesn't matter at all. It's, it's, it's activating this stuff in our life. And so we're going to read through these, uh, take, take a look at some of these. Um, and they won't be, life, they'll be life-altering, but they're not. Here's, here's what I want to see today, too. Some of the people like to go to church. I hear the pastor get up and do a super creative message or, like, say something. It's like, oh, my gosh, I have never heard that before. Well, how come, how come pastors all over the world aren't speaking how our pastor is here? It's so amazing. You're not going to hear any of that today. You're going to tell you going, why did we come on 4th of July? <laughs> number one, number one, the first way to start in Stoke of Fire is read your Bible with pep. With pep, with purpose, with expectation, and with passion. Now, again, even if you've never been to church, even if you came to church today, you haven't been to church in a very, very long time, probably that doesn't surprise you, right, that a pastor would get up and say, read your Bibles. You go, that doesn't surprise anybody here. But here's the problem. Some of us read our Bibles like we read, well, what was one of your worst subjects? What was the subject when you guys were in, some of you were in school right now? History, science, math, we sometimes read our Bibles like a textbook. It's like it's the duty we're supposed to do, especially those of you that are compliant, firstborn-type kids. Like, well, they said, teach us to do it, and we'll get a good grade in the test, and I have to check off and check off and check off and check off. I did my assignment. For those of you that are not the compliant, firstborn type, you go, forget that. I'm not reading that. I'll get the Cliffs notes, or I'll copy off somebody. I'll cheat. <laughs> I'll run on somebody else's experience for a while. Man, this is, this is not about religious duty. This is not like, good Christians, read your Bible, dang it. ah. Uh-huh. This is the idea of read it with, with purpose, and read it with ex, expect, expectancy, like, I'm expecting God to speak to me today, and with passion, with joy. Do you realize that the, what, it's, it's weird how it happened. it's written by ordinary people. They, they, they spoke things, they got things written down, and the scripture is going to make it very, very clear to us that what happened in here is that the spirit of God was actually breathing into their soul, and what was exhaled out as they wrote things down was the actual word of God. I tell people all the time, you want to hear God speak to you out loud? Read your Bible out loud, and you'll hear the voice of God. Um, Hebrews 4.12 says, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. That means that what you have in front of you today, whether it's digital or ink and paper, is not just words on a page put there with computer coding or with ink and paper. It's bigger than that. There's a life to it. I'm telling you, if you come to I dare you. I dare all of you. To the, to, this week, with your Bible, God, look, before you sit down and go, okay, i supposed to read the Bible because Steve said to do it. Read my two chapters, yada, yada, boom, done. No. What if you could go to the Bible and oh, go, God, I want to hear your voice today. I want you to speak to me today. And some of you go, well, am I going to hear a voice? Um, it will be louder than that. You won't hear a voice, but something will ring in your soul that will be more profound and more powerful than if somebody just walked over and went, meh, 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 at you. You're going to feel something and sense something in your heart and soul. Now, it's going to be different waves of that, different intensities of that all the time. But sometimes the reason we're not hearing God is we don't expect them to hear him. We're just doing religious duty. What if you get excited about this, Uh, be be stoked about this, Um, expecting God, being passionate about it? Um, We've been, for the last four or five months here, taking uh, the third Thursday of every month and doing a day of prayer and fasting. And over my years, I've been a Christian now since I was about 18 to 20 is when I really kind of got serious about it. So it's been a while, about 40 years now. Yeah. Um, And so from time to time, people talk about fasting as a good spiritual discipline to do. And so I would from time to time fast for somebody, somebody with my kids or something with somebody I knew was sick or just right now. God, I'm just desperate to hear from you. I came in uh, uh, two Thursdays ago. I was walking around to the office and I was just kind of... If not, no energy, no nothing, and uh, somebody in the office said, "See, what's wrong with you, Art? whatever, I go, you know, I said, here's the crazy thing, over the years, I've heard people, I've read books by people and heard these great leaders of, our, of the Christian faith talk about this idea of prayer and fasting, when they fast, they just feel God, it's so powerful, and so beautiful and so amazing, that never happens for me when I fast, <laughs> all I feel is I'm in a bad mood, I'm going, why do I have to do this? It's because God tells me to and because, well, I'm just desperate for God to do something. So, But I don't feel all about it. And then it occurred to me, well, just in the hallway here, back here, going, maybe a lot of us, the reason we're not more on fire for God is because we're not eating spiritually. Jesus says in the bo- book of Matthew, man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes to the mouth of God. And maybe, maybe we're not eating enough. We're just not getting in this, the Bible enough. And I mean, maybe back before the Gutenberg printing press and all that, we may have had an excuse for it. Gosh, what do we have? Like 17 Bibles at our house and you have the internet now and free Wi-Fi access. You can get it whenever and wherever you want to get it. And that's not shame or any of that kind of stuff or obligation, just a sense of, man. And I thought, and some of you are gonna say, well, but you know, we come to church. And so that's where we, you know, the God, word of God's taught the Bible. We use the Bible here a lot. And I would tell you, well, that's a bit like saying, okay, the only time I'm going to eat this week is when I go out to eat one time. Because you come to church and we kind of prepare a meal for you. It's like going, kind of going out and here's a, a scriptural meal here. How would you do? Maybe you might, if you stuffed yourself at some buffet, you might be good for a day, maybe two. You ever been, done this thing where you ate so much, you're like, I'm, I'm, I'm never going to eat again. And the next day you're starving to death. Some of us, the reason we're not on fire for God and we're just kind of feeling eh about our spiritual growth and all that. Read the Bible purposely, expectantly, passionately, and watch what God does there. Number two, obey what you know. Obey what you know. Again, you would probably expect a pastor to say, hey, when you read the Bible and God tells you to do stuff, do it. Like, you're going, that's nothing new. And of course it's not new, but it's obey what you know. Now, here's the deal. Um, (laughs) some of us have, have been in churches. I hope you haven't experienced this here, but you probably have from time to time with what I've said or what somebody else has said where we've been led to believe, well, here's the rules. Don't do this, don't do this, don't do that. Do this, do this, do this. And it's like checklist spirituality. It's all about just obey the rules. Just do the right thing and it's just such a formula it's like just the only way to do to know that you have a relationship with God is just check 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 and understand something here Jesus says this over in John chapter 15 i want you to see this John 15 verse 9 he's talking about how much he loves the uh, us as christians he says, I have loved you, this is verse 9 now, John 15, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me, remain in my love, and my question there, don't keep reading here, is okay, what do you mean by that, because that sounds like some, something on a coffee mug or a mouse or a screensaver, remain in his love, Ooh. what does that mean, what do we do with that? Jesus goes, I'm glad you asked, he anticipated, we wouldn't quite get that, because we're not all the surface tools in the shed, so he says, when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I've told you these things so that you'll be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. He said, look, if you want your joy to overflow, if you want to be zealous and on fire and a relationship with God that's full of joy and excitement and passion, you know what you do? When he tells you to do something, do it. Now, again, so it does, it's not some code, like not some, some boss employee kind of thing. Let me talk to the ladies here today for a second. Ladies, how does it work in your life when the man you're married to or the kids in your house, you're working all day long off-site somewhere, and you've asked them, hey, could you please get the kitchen cleaned up, get your room picked up and all that, and you come home, and it's just everywhere. Is your joy overflowing in that relationship at that point? Not one tiny bit. How do you suppose it works, though, when from time to time, I know, guys, here's a tip here, from time to time anyway, you go out of your way to go, man, she's worked hard today, or he's worked hard, or Whoever. Let's, let's just do something that they just would love, love to not have to do themselves. And they come home and that's How does that make you feel? This is what Jesus is talking about here. When you're in a relationship with somebody, you want to do what pleases them. This is not some code and ritual of checklist spirituality. When there's a real relationship, there's like, look, I just want to be, I'm excited about them. I love them. What do they want me to do? Let's just do that. That's some free marriage advice for you today, for a few of you. Because a few of you have forgotten that. Ed works with God and his relationship. And here's the deal, too. Um. Some of us are, are saying, I'll have different conversation. I'm just not feeling it right now, Steve. So I'm not reading my Bible, and I know some stuff I need to work on. I want to tell you today, feelings follow actions. If you want to feel zealous and on fire for God, don't wait to feel anything. Just start reading the Bible purposefully, expectantly, passionately. And when God tells you to do something, whether you like it, whether you agree with it or not, just do what he says because I want this relationship to get better. It just makes things better when you do that. This happened for me because over the years, guys, I've struggled with some things as a Christian and stuff. Um, my stuff isn't your stuff and I've, God has worked me through a lot of things where I'm <laughs> I'm no longer as bad as I used to be but I'm not near as good as I'm supposed to be. Uh, and just recently, I had the Bible open, was reading it and just in the midst of the subjective experience of the Spirit, I was reading something about how, how love displays itself and it talks about... Um, about ra- rage and anger. Um, my, my, my wife is here today. She will testify to this. I'm not going to make her stand up and talk about it. I can't fix anything. Around the house, it, I'm, I'm a disaster. I, I can't, I mean, I'm terrible at anything trying to make all this stuff work. And then my wife, who like a lot of you out here watch all kinds of HGTV shows, think how come you're not more like Chip or whoever? <laughs> she never says that. She never ever says that. I feel the pressure, <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and so I'll get out there and try to work on stuff, and I try to do it, and I get frustrated, and guys that d- d- know how to work on stuff, well, okay, it didn't work, how you just keep working, on? I just get frustrated, and I, at times, I'll just go take, and this will shock, well, it won't shock most of you, but I'll be there with the wrench or with the thing to fix the pipes, the plumbing down there in the grass, in the irrigation thing, and just, there's a bucket there, and just g- g- scoop it and just slam it, and everything goes <laughs> flying everywhere. And there was a moment there where Jesus said, this is like not good for your relationship with your wife. He said, but you and I, I want to get that out of your life and your soul. Those fits of rage like that, where you just explode like that. Uh, So God's been working with me on some of that. Even learning how to, when I'm uh, insensitive, to listen to the spirit of God say, you should apologize for that right now. And it's not, I'm not doing horrible, awful, evil, terrible things most of the time, Um, but I'm not, guys, here here today, I'm just sharing my heart and soul, I'm not saying these are your issues, God's going to give you some stuff he's going to want you to do, and step out, and just, when he tells you what to do, just do it, so read the Bible, oh, obey what you know, no, not earth-shattering, amazing, fantastic, uh, new stuff, see, number three, surround yourself with fire starters, this is the idea of your Christian friends, and community, Get, get around people that will stoke the fire in your soul. So why we do small groups here. Now, we're on a break over the summer for all kinds of reasons because of vacations and all that. We start to begin in about six weeks, the sign-ups for that. But uh, find Proverbs 27. I'm going to go through these. These verses will come up on the screen as well. Proverbs 27, look at verse 6. Wounds, wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Verse 9, the heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense. Verse 17, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Proverbs 13, verse 20. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. I will tell you right now, you show me your friends and I will show you your future. And all you're going, that's right, kids today need to hear that. No, you fools need to hear it too. Like, is what are the. Here's the deal whatever your best great friends are stoked and on fire about, guess what's going to catch in your soul? Because fire spreads? That's going to be your deal too. If they're all into online gambling or all into. RVing, or if they're all into sports or a team, you'll you'll start. start, I'm not saying any of those things are bad. I'm just saying, do you have friends in your life that are putting fuel, gas, lighter fluid on that fire in terms of your relationship with Jesus? The men's bonfire thing that they talked about up there—it's going to happen not tomorrow, but next Monday—is is is part of that. The different kinds of groups and things that we do here are all about helping you stoke your fire for Jesus. There was like 30-some women here a few nights ago for this Armor of God series that we're doing here. If you want to hear more about that, put on your connection card today. Uh, it's, it's a great way that you, you get around friends. You don't just do this in isolation. You'll be fired up about what your friends are fired up about. Fire spreads in community. And this is a good kind. Of, it's not destructive fire. Um, and I guess the kind of thing is what kind of fire are you spreading? Uh, I'm not going to get political with this at all. But the last year or so, I've just seen stuff that God. people are just spreading destructive fires because they're all, about stuff like you're just, it's like scorched earth everywhere. It's not the kind of fire that's helpful and holy and beautiful and and amazing. And I want to tell you too, maybe it's not surround yourself with fire starters, but look at me for a second. For a few of you here today need to hear this. What if in your circle of friends, you become the fire starter? To intentionally build into conversations around Conversations at the golf course, conversations at a coffee place, conversations at a pub or a bar, conversations at 4th of July parties, just there. Like, look, we're going to talk about a lot of fun stuff. I'm not saying the whole thing has to be a Bible study, but from time to time, what if we could fold this in? What if I I could become the fire starter here and see some things happen there? Surround yourself with fire starters. Be a fire starter. Number four, um, praise and worship. Praise and worship. Psalm 84. These will be up on the screen. They're also on your note sheet there. You can look at them later if you want to. Psalm chapter 84. I just went through psalms and all these are just, all the psalms are, are they're not so much words of people writing out words of uh, prose. They're poetry. They're songs. And they're, most of them, designed to be sung. Psalm 84, verse 2. I long... Yes, I faint with longing to enter the courts of the Lord. With my whole being, body, and soul, I will shout or sing joyfully to the living God. A few pages to the right, Psalm 90, verse 14. Satisfy each morning with your unfailing love so we may sing for joy to the end of our lives. Psalm 96, a few pages to the right. 96, 1 to 3. Sing a new song to the Lord. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Each day proclaim the good news that he saves. Publish his glorious deeds among the nations. Tell everyone about the amazing things he does. Psalm 100, verse 2. It says, worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. The old school Bibles, you know what they said? Make a joyful noise. Not make a beautiful noise. The people up in the band here make a beautiful noise. Your job out here is make a joyful noise. I don't care if you, don't audition for American Idol, please. But you can Sing. And proclaim this out. This is what we why we gather and sing every week. And then I love it over here in Psalm 107. Psalm 107 says, has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. The old school Bible, some of you that raised are on King James and, and the New International Version said, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Like if you're excited about it, tell your voice and face about it. Let people see it. Be excited there. It's praise and worship. And look, praise and worship happens singing like this. So we're going to do that in a bit. And we're going to make a joyful noise to the Lord today. Some of you sing way too, come on. But you can also do it in private. It's also, it's, it can be private. It can be prayer where you talk to God and, and, and just you're grateful for all the, how amazing he is. And you tell him about it. You're, sometimes I tell you to take the Psalms and use these as, as, as a scripture prayer book and just personalize them. Where I say in Psalm 106, who can list the glorious miracles of God? Who can ever praise them enough? God, there's joy for, and you just, you start ta- personalizing it for yourself. All the, all the nouns and pronouns there, put your name in there. And use it as a, as a, as a way to, to fuel your prayers. Praise and worship. Number five, get out to the edges. In Matthew 25, Jesus says, tells a story, says, at the end of time, God's going to separate the nations, the sheep over here, the goats over here, the sheep are the good guys, the goats are the bad guys. He says to both of them, when I was hungry and thirsty, when I was naked in prison, you fed me, you clothed me, you visited me, you guys over here didn't do any of that, and both groups of them look at him and go, "When when did that happen? He says, when you did it to the least of these, you did it to me, that somehow Jesus is present out there in places and people that are messy and jacked up and messed up. And look, Jesus says, go out there and help them. And he doesn't say, well, only the ones, you know, if they made the mess themselves, don't help them. They need to learn from their mistakes. Mm. So when, I, when you sponsor children there, that, that child's name that's up on your refrigerator there, for me, it's not Marlon, it's Jesus. Those of you that have gone down with our small groups and gone down to Ocean Beach with Billy and Sam and Mark Porter down there, the people that that you're working with down there and serving are people that they're just grimy, gross addicts. They've made a mess out of their lives. Jesus says, when you're out there, guess where you're going to see me? You may not see me here in middle-class Temecula very much, but where you're going to see me is in the gritty, grimy edges. I tell you like what Cheryl's doing, going to Kenya. It's not just to do good deeds for human beings. Because Jesus is there, and I want to see him and feel him. If you want to get on fire for God, get to the grimy, gritty places. Go on these missions trips that we're going to start being able to do again and get out there and see it as the band comes up now. Nothing brand new, nothing super cutting edge, dramatic, all that kind of stuff. I hope today you got a fire lit in your soul, but here's the deal. Don't just let a fire get started today. Take this stuff out of here today. Read the Bible purposefully, expectantly, passionately. Obey. When God tells you to do something, just do it. Get people around you that will stoke that fire in your soul. Praise and worship and prayer and singing all that. And then find some people out at the edges. And see where you'll encounter Jesus out at the fringe and out at the edge. We're going to give you a chance to sing today. Uh, Making a joyful noise. You're going to apply this before you even leave the house today. You're going to sing out. Uh, we're going to also give you a chance to come and receive communion. It's a piece of bread and some juice that represents the body and the blood of Jesus given for us. And Jesus says, somehow, some way, he says, when you do this, I'm present there with you in communion. This is another way to encounter and experience Jesus, to remember that it's not about me. No matter how jacked up or messed up I am, no matter how religious I've been, it's not about my religious good deeds or my rebellion against God. It's because of what Jesus did on that cross, symbolized in this bread and juice there today. If you're newer to our church, you'll see people getting up and walking around. The lights will go down. Just make your way to the four corners of the room. There's gluten-free communion back there. There's also uh, the kind of communion that is the, the stuff that's uh, all sanitized and stuff like that, prepackaged if you still uh, want that or need that. If you need prayer today, the prayer team's in the back. People will be getting up, moving around. Don't just sit here and suck it up, buttercup. Mm-mm. Don't. Get back there and just tell them what's going on and they're not gonna give you any counsel or any advice. They're just gonna come and bring what's going on in your life on behalf of you to God. So Jesus, today, I so badly want this for myself. God, I never wanna get to a point, being almost 60 years old now, where I go, okay, no, I'm just gonna coast it in. God, I want that zeal and that fire to get stronger and stronger and stronger. And so Spirit, whatever you want to say into people's hearts and lives today, for these next few minutes especially while we minimize the distractions and sing to you and about you. Just do whatever it is that you want to do. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. For more resources, check out go to crosspoint.com.